May I have your attention, please? But at some point, Jess had to go, I'm going to let go of the vine, is how EOS describes it, is letting go of the vine. You're like holding on to the side and you're like, I'm not going to let go of this. We had to be okay if our leaders failed because it meant from failing, they were either winning or learning. And so we had to be okay with their failures thinking, oh, I could have done it better. Or if I didn't step, if I would have stepped in, it wouldn't have happened. But that's great. You, you want failures to happen, especially while you're training, because then you're able to walk them through. Here's what I would have done or here's what we can learn together. It's the cloud to the ground, niching outsourcing, techie tax talking, increasing gross margins, automating back a house and learning blockchain, leadership tips with Coach Nick's McKenzie, like, share, connect, comment, follow this, and subscribe to our podcast. Next one we drop, cause you know it don't stop, it's 24-7 on the accounting highlight, TikTok clips don't watch, just some shitty tax talk, cleaning up accounting with a bucket and a mop, then we lean back and nod, cause the class is about to start at accounting high, Scotty, OKR. Scotty, Greg, and Jess. We're going to have a problem here. The dailies. I should have just said the dailies. That would have sounded better. You guys are the real dailies. (laughs) We are the dailies. Class is in session. Thank you for joining me. I have the dailies. I have Greg and Jessica Daily of Parable on the show. Sophomore year. Thanks for joining. Nice. This has been a scheduling nightmare, hasn't it? It's been a little ups and downs. Yes. (laughs) Ups and downs. You guys look like you're in a beautiful new office. Can you tell our listeners at least who you are, where you come from? Why should they even care? Our students at Accounting High. Yes. My name is Greg Daly. This is my wife, Jessica Daly. We've been married 23 years, have four kids, all teenagers, uh, which is part of our ups and downs of scheduling. We've got 18. So we launched one and then 17, 16, and 14. So we have a senior in high school and then all the way down the list. We run a company called Parable. Jess actually started the company and then I I now run the company that works in the accounting space and provides, well, helps keep every dollar on mission by bookkeeping, accounting, payroll services, specifically for churches. And we live in Fort Collins, Colorado, and we recently moved. So that was also part of the crazy. We're excited to be in our new place. And we are a boating family. So we have a surf boat. We love to boat, love to spend time on the water with uh, the family. And that is one reason why we moved to the place that we are now. Okay, cool. Well, we might Hence end up with new some, office space as yeah, well. We might end up with some boating analogies too. I mean, I know we've got some key analogies coming up and other things. There you go. Branding. Cool, cool. I like the introduction. So, Every dollar on mission, we're going to touch on that. Thank you for coming to Accounting High, for joining us. We're in the guide, the guidance counselor's office. We're, this is the guide. This is the area that we're going to speak in today. This is what we're going to touch on because this is close to my heart. This is close to y'all's heart, y'all. But I've had husband and wives on before and that worked together successfully for a long time. You guys have been married 23 years and run a business together. And I met you guys together. Every time I've seen you, it's a pair. So obviously you can stand being around each other for extended periods of time. Yes, we definitely can. And we, uh, you know, a lot of our friends were like, I can never work with my spouse. And we actually really thrive in that. The last two years, Jess has stepped out of the day-to-day of the company and she is what's called our generosity pioneer. And so she's kind of learning all things generosity because there will be a side to our company that is 
part of our long-term mission is giving money away. And so she will head up that side of the organization once our kids are kind of launched and out of high school and the teenage years. You are close to that. Your youngest is 14, you said? Yes, yes. we're getting very close. She's about to start driver's ed, which is crazy because then all of our kids will have a license. You guys are pretty young yourselves too. I mean, like, I'm not going to guess ages here, but you look younger than me. My <laughs> oldest is 16 and people think I'm pretty young to have a kid. I'm about to turn 40 this year. So, Well, I think my chubby it. cheeks make me look younger than I am, but uh, I'll be 47 this year. 47? Okay. Yeah, I, would, I, I probably wouldn't have guessed that, but you guys look good for your age. Tell me how you guys met because it's going to lead this is going this conversation is going to lead to accounting somehow and the generosity pioneer. That's a pretty cool title. Um That's funny cuz I I was actually going to say that's probably one piece why that keeps us young. Greg and I met swing dancing. So oh are and have been swing dance partners for 24 years. We don't dance as much now, but we can certainly pick it back up. We can train and teach a group of 200 people if we need to. Well, we, we actually, that demos. started us kind of working together. We, we when I was still finishing my last year of college when we met and I paid my last year by a little entrepreneurial venture. We were like, hey, why don't we go down to the local community college and teach some classes on how to swing dance? So we did. We just put a, we put a flyer up in the community college and started teaching swing dance lessons. And that's how I paid my last year of school. And that's how I paid my car off. And we were able to get married debt-free. That was a huge thing for us. But we were swing dance partners for eight months solid. We would dance from seven to midnight, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday. Highly aerobic. He was looking for a partner that was small, that he could throw in the air, because that's what you do. If you've ever seen the movie Swing Kids, it's very active. And I fit the bill. I went the first night with another guy from someone uh, that I was was working with. And I thought, I'm going to go the next night without him. And that's when <laughs> Greg and I started dancing together. And we were solid dancers for quite a while. And then we realized, I really like doing life with you. I really love being around you. And I like playing. I like, we had lots of conversations. So after eight months, we decided we were going to get married. So we got married about seven or eight months later. That is so cool. And a different metaphor. And I've told my story before with my wife and myself. I mean, we weren't dancing together. We were working together. And when you work in close quarters together, it's like a dance, especially at a really busy restaurant. Definitely. So that's like so cool. I'm a little disappointed that I'm hearing about this now. And I've met you guys at two different events with parties that people were dancing and in all of those, we're sitting on the side talking in the corner like I usually do at dances. I'm not on the floor dancing. You guys should have been on the floor dancing. I remember yeah, both of the occasions. If song would have come up, we would have been out there. Ah, uh, it's the type of music. It's the type of yeah. it's the type of music. We're not we're not the booty shake kind of dance partners. So I just can't do it. Swing swing is a specific step to a specific beat. And so if a swing dance song came up, we definitely would have been Absolutely. on the floor. We can salsa okay, well, a little bit too, but but we're the dancing metaphors are gonna be much better than boating metaphors. I was gonna try to bring in some <laughs> boating metaphors, but these dance ones, that's gonna be even better. Awesome. I mean, everything's a dance. You you know, every everything in life is a dance. You had to del delicately balance, you know, just to look graceful. And it yep. seems like you guys are doing that on the surface. You got this nice house. You get an awesome key logo. I just love the branding because it's simple, it's elegant, and it's to the point. So we haven't got to parable yet, but that's kind of where I like to go is branding. Who is the – now, you said, Jess, that you founded parable, right? Who's got the eye for design? Who's the vision of the two? Greg, absolutely, for the design. Yes. For the design. Well, how about I'm going to lead this to a bigger question. Who's the, has the vision for the company? Whose idea was it? And who's, whose baby is this? Whose North Star is this that we're following? I would say it was my baby North Star, but now Greg's made it a North Star for all 45 of our employees. And so it was 
a baby, a baby constellation that went into, you know, now a big universe. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know that I would have ever, ever had the guts to like start the company on my own. That's not, that's just not me. Like I like to, I like risk. I don't mind risk at all, but I like to know, oh, let, let's jump with a parachute. And so just started it as a stay at home mom's kind of side gig at the beginning. And it was actually to raise money for our adoption. So it, really the goals of the company at the beginning were very much family focused. It was like, how do we build something that can bring in enough revenue for our specific needs, not necessarily a bigger vision for the company. And so I think as I came in five years in, then our things changed and the design for the business kind of changed and morphed. And so I was able to provide vision for that. Guys, technically if I had five kids, then is that? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. Fair to say. Or 49 kids. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Depending on how you look at it, right? So let's get to the accounting parable. We'll get to that part of the parable. Parable is define parable for me. Define it. So the word parable actually means a simple story with a deeper meaning. And so we chose the name because. One, we work in the church market and parable is a word that's found in scripture, but in the New Testament, Jesus told parables. He told these stories, simple stories, and he kind of used everyday things that people would know about. And then he would like flip the table or kind of turn it on its head and uh, have this much deeper meaning to the story. And so we loved that it was, it had, it had roots in the church. It had roots in the clientele that we're working with, which we call partners uh, but it wasn't an overly churched word. Like we had never actually heard of another company called Parable. And so, th- and that was important to us because we didn't want, you know, like there's a thousand things called grace or <laughs> even redemption is another one. There's a lot of stuff named re- redemption, which are great words and they have great meanings, but it just, you know, what maybe was overplayed in the space and Parable, there's, there's not very, there's not even a church that I know of that's named Parable. And so it, it was in the space. And then also, Numbers tell a story, as you know, being an accountant, but most people don't know how to read it, especially pastors. They're used to reading words and they're used to like sharing words from the stage, but they're not, they don't read numbers. And I say like our accountants, it's kind of like the matrix. They see all the numbers falling and they see pictures, right? And so there's a story that the numbers are telling that churches just don't really know how to read. And all the questions that they have, like, when can I hire a new pastor? When can I buy a building? When can I do this outreach program? They're all found in their numbers. They just don't know how to look for it. And so we say, we unlock the story your numbers are already telling. That is the best brand story I've ever heard. For <laughs> I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot. You've heard a lot. Well, building our logo is actually a mini parable. I see it. So, well, the key, you got to the key. Yep. We got gracefully, you gracefully got to the key. We did. I like the way you told the story. Now tell me what, where the parable is. What's the other metaphor? The actual parable that's built into the logo is the circle is an ancient symbol for people. And so we wanted to remind the church, it's never been about buildings, programs, that kind of thing. It's really about people. You know, the old, I don't know if you heard this growing up, but like, Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Look inside. Here's all the people. We want to call the church back to, it's really about the people. It doesn't matter if you have a beautiful building or a beautiful program. It's about people thriving in a community centric, which post COVID, the world needs more of that. Like the world needs more community. I think the joke was about like a peep hole, not a people, but <laughs> I, I'm not going to go there. That was not where I was going. So. Uh, I love the circle symbolism, though, too, and how you use that. And you've used it consistently. Has the brand evolved since 2014? Yes. Yes. And even the name. So when I started the business, because remember, we were thinking business mindset, not company mindset. It was called Accelerate, a play off of Excel spreadsheets. And so... How many other firms and places have Accelerate? In accounting, for sure. Future Firm Accelerate, shout out to Lazanus, but keep going. Sorry. Well, once we defined our, our market niche, which is churches, which makes a lot of sense because Greg was a pastor in Seattle 
so we could really understand and be able to speak to our partners because we've been there. Once we decided that, we realized not many churches move fast. Like we can't accelerate anything with churches. So what is a a play on words that could also brand the very market that we're trying to share with? And so that's when we changed the name, the brand, the meaning, the mission, all of it. That would have been in 20... That was just about four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. When you first started, what was that early North Star? You know, you birthed something. Was it just to make some money on the side? Was it just to do? What was the early vision of this? The early vision was we needed a simple amount of a a chunk of money. We needed $10,000 for our adoption fund. And I said, okay, I'll start three businesses and whichever one starts and really takes off is the one that I will stick with. And funny thing is I started a HelloFresh type of business and I don't really love to cook. So that, that one didn't last. I started a helping moms with after-school childcare. And that really wasn't my thing either. I have a finance degree and I love numbers and I love the way that they do tell a story. So then I also started- Did you open up a dance school? I, we didn't do dance, dance school, although dance we've school. done stuff on the side. Yeah. And so back then it was, we need to be able to pay for the adoption. I wanted something that I could do at home. And then it grew a little bit with what is a way that we could uh, nurture our family and be present. So uh, years later, we adopted a sibling set of three from Denver. And we also have a biological son who was one year older than the oldest. And so then it became a, how can we be present, work together and create a family that we need to basically make up for thousands of memories that we had missed. Yeah, it was kind of more of a lifestyle firm at that mm-hmm. point. And even early on, QBO like did a couple videos on us because we did some cool stuff. Like we pulled all of our kids out of school and did road schooling around the country and running the company from, you know, the road, which is, but that was all when it was kind of more about the dailies than it was about this bigger mission. Uh, which isn't a bad thing. In the beginning, it's got to be about something, though. Yeah, it's got to be about something. It just kind of grew over time. So you had the Daily Show? It was kind of the Daily Show. It definitely the was. Daily Road um, Show. We signed contracts in the RV. We went to all four corners of the U.S. It was an amazing, epic time. But then, you know, it really started growing. We had to take it very seriously of, are we going to go with this? Or are we going to keep it small? And we... We knew that with our vision and our passion and our gifts and skills that we had what it took in order to grow it and make it something that was not only beneficial for us, but for employees, for stakeholders and for the world. We knew we had something to offer. So when you made that decision, how many employees did you have? Uh, We probably had about seven or eight at that point. Okay. Would you say this, you have 45 now, what, how far, when was this? What, at what point? So that was, that would have been seven ish years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you guys have a vision or an idea of where you were going to sit in the company? Did you have anything guiding you on how to grow a company to, cause at that stage with that many employees, were you at like about a million in revenue, give or take close yep. approaching that? That was our goal. We needed to be a million in revenue before we went on the RV trip. That was our revenue goal for us in the company. So you nailed it. Okay. Well, I'm just projecting or guessing. So for you guys, what were your roles in the company at that stage? I was basically sales and culture and branding and those kinds of things. You know, when you're small, you wear a ton of hats. Jess was all things operations. She would, and then she was super helpful in the pricing arena because like I could sell it, but I didn't want to price it. And so she would, she would kind of take on the pricing side of things. And that was, I think back now you're reminding us of, you know, how far we've come in the, just the process of pricing back then was felt a little bit magical. Like 
yeah, maybe we should charge this, you know, like always, it always is in the beginning though, because you can, well, this is the value and you're just putting value on it. Right. If you're right. doing value totally. pricing, you're just making this stuff up as you go. Yeah. And it's, it is magic. It's, there's this, there's an art to it. There is an art to it. And then when people are at some point you need some systems. If it's right. going to grow beyond you and it's going to, if that stuff's going to scale, like that's something that you have to turn into a system. So at what point did you figure that out? We were around then uh, about five-ish years ago, four, maybe four years, f- four or five years ago, we discovered the book Traction, EOS. Mm, before I could even bring it up, you've described what we're leading to here. So please enlighten our listeners. Traction well, I read US. the book. I read the book Traction. I usually have a book test. Like I don't read it until th- at least three people tell me about it. And so it, or it doesn't make it in onto my, you know, audible or my yeah. nightstand if, unless three people say it. And so I started hearing a bunch about traction. I read it and I was like, this is it. This is going to get us a scalable model. And I kind of bought into it, brought it to the leadership team at that time, which was only a couple people, including Jess. I was like, I think this is it. Would you be willing to jump in with me and do it? We self-implemented because we're a team of achievers. Um, and we're like, we can do this. And they give you a roadmap right at the end of the book. And so I was like, yeah, we can do this. We don't need an implementer. We did that for a year. And then we actually hired an implementer officially from EOS that walked alongside of us for two years. And we graduated just this past year. So when Greg said, okay, I'm going to, we're going to work together Day one, we got a business coach and we highly valued them and we followed what they said and we listened. And that is a huge piece of what got us where we were today because we were willing to listen to the experts around us and the experts around us were willing to share. And we want to be those type of people as well, where we share and help others in their growth as well. Paying attention and listening to that too. Like you, there's so many people that we can learn from that have things to offer and having somebody else hold you accountable for the changes you want to make is a very big, very big step in a business owner's life. I think by you guys working together, you've humbled yourselves already that you are okay with that and taking feedback. There's a lot of people who we can't get out of our own way. And I never had a business coach and I never saw as anybody else knowing better than me because hey, I knew best, right? I was growing a company myself. So I was, I kept getting in my way. I, you know, it wasn't until later that I realized how important a business coach could be. Self-implementing is nobody's going to really hold you accountable. And there's nobody that you have to show, oh, look, I'm doing this. This is going to be hard. And I know you're here to hold my hand along the way. It's, it's my job to get this done. But it's not easy, especially at that size with that many employees. You know, it does benefit for you guys. The fact that you already had that integrator visionary combination clearly defined in, probably in your marriage too and in life that you were able to run with something like this. And it's like they say, the other book, Rocket Fuel. And it's like Rocket Fuel when you have two people that know their roles and they're clearly defined and then you start defining the roles in the company, then the, you know it's only sky's the limit at that point. And yeah. And I think at the beginning, like one, as far as for me, I'm textbook visionary. If you like go through the checklist, as soon as I read the book, I was like, wait, you can do that. That can be a job because I just, I thought everybody thought like I did. And then two, defining roles to me at the beginning kind of felt like, oh, this is scary. I don't know. You're going to define a role that I don't really want to do. That's kind of what it always felt like. But when when it's clearly defined, but it's actually in my sweet spot, like it's what I was made to do. I don't have to create myself a different way. And the same way for Jess, like she doesn't have to recreate herself a different way. When you're working within your sweet spot, it's actually an amazing, amazing thing. I remember our business coach before EOS said he he pushed something called your big why if if your personal and your work and career and spiritual if it all can fit and you're rolling one big ball down the hill then the efficiency and the passion and the amount of opportunities that you can have and get when 
your entire big line collides allows for a, a really great life. It's an integrated life. Integrated. So there is no yeah. like work or life. It's all just, yeah, it's all one, one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of our company values is actually a healthy life rhythm. We name it that we named it that because work-life balance, it's like, can work and life ever be in balance? It's kind of this, you know, there's a, it's more of a rhythmic aspect. Like sometimes you're in a really busy season, but you can't be in a busy season for your whole entire life. Otherwise it's not a healthy, sustainable path. There is a uh, winter for a reason, right? In our seasons, because even our growth, nobody can live in summer their whole life. You have to have rest. You have to build in times where you're not building anything new. Your team needs that. If you're constantly just grow, 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 you're going to burn through people because it's not a sustainable path. You speak in rhythms. You definitely were a pastor or something because when you say (laughs) winter for a reason in our seasons... (laughs) (laughs) healthy life rhythms and you just kept going this was natural to you you were born to do this stuff it sounds like there's a wrap in store for us (laughs) you've asked me this before not too many people have asked me actually asked me to do raps for them the ones that i've done it for i've just done it for you know i just did pot keepers recently and expensifies when i met you guys you might be inspiring a rap after all of this this is this is good stuff this is good stuff i'm not not making any promise, not unlocking anything here, but this will be, it, 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 I could see a parable along the way. It could be something very simple, mm-hmm. a simple rap, a simple story with a deeper meaning. I might do something like Love that. We'll see. I like where you're going. Love it. We'll see. So as you find EOS, did you start to see similarities in, let's say, dance? So in dance, in swing, is there two different types of dancers that play roles or is it just free for all? No, there are. And so there's a leader and a follower. And a lot of times it is a male, male led dance, but um, you know, they, you can have it either way, but somebody has to decide I'm going to be the leader and I'm going to be the one that follows the lead. And so that, that is how swing is set up. And the difference between a bad dancer and a good dancer is someone who can either lead or follow well, because either one, like if you don't have a great follower, they're not doing exactly what the leader's meaning for where the dance is headed. You can end up hurting each other for one. Uh, you can end up stepping on each other's toes. For it's instance. not going to look good. No, it's no. Definitely, definitely not going to look, look good. good. It kind of looks like a fight, right? <laughs> kind of looks yeah. like a married fight um, instead of a beautifully choreographed kind of thing. But it doesn't have to be choreographed if there's if the leader is actually leading and the follower is actually following. It can look choreographed, but not really be. Oh wow, that's like a good. That's a very good rhyme in a rap. It'll feel natural. It looks natural. See, like everything's in its right place. But it's a lot of effort to get there. You got to work there's really hard to get those, to get everything in the right place and make it feel smooth along with the music too. Yeah. I think also there's a metaphor there of like, it's a system, right? Like I'm not just making stuff up. There's steps that we agreed to kind of doing. So there, and and there's a connection step that if we get off, we always know we can go back to. So in swing, it's called the rock step. And when you get to the rock step, if you get off on any other thing, at least, you know, every few beats is going to be a rock step and you can get back in sync with each other. Give me a rock step that happened at Parable. A rock step that happened with Parable that comes to mind like right off the bat for me is the day that Jess, we were on the RV trip and we were just having coffee and I think the kids were out fishing or doing something outside. Somehow we had a break and, and we were just having coffee together and she said, hey, you know, our boys are going to be in high school soon and I really think I want to be a mom again and not have to worry about the business while they're in high school. So what do you think about you taking the lead and I will step down the hall and, and you take the lead and lead the company. And I was like, no, (laughs) he wasn't a very good follower of my idea. (laughs) I did not like that idea at all. You've already established your roles and how are you going to just change them? That's difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult. 
psychologically, it's very difficult for a relationship if you all of a sudden dynamic switches. One person decides, wait, I'm not a follower anymore. Yeah, I want to be a leader. I mean, that's I mean, we're talking about something much bigger existentially, but even on a smaller sense, that's what's going to cause rifts. That's what's going to cause fights. So what happened? Not only that, but I didn't feel gifted in the same things that she's gifted in. And so when I imagined her stepping out of the business, I imagined me having to pick up all of the things that she's gifted in that I'm not. And that just was overwhelming to me. And so I spent a few days. I think I actually said, hell no. Um, <laughs> uh, what are my exact words? Uh, because we had, used the word hell. I used the house. word hell there. Okay. Yes. <laughs> And so, but part of it, a huge part of it was simply like, one, I didn't want to do it alone. I would have felt like I was doing it alone at that point. And another one was just, like I said, picking up the pieces of what I thought she was amazing at and I was not good at. And so I came back and I said, hey, yes, let's think about doing this, but here's what I need in order to happen. I need another year from you, which was a year past when she wanted to do it. She wanted to kind of just be done. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I said, I need another year from you. I need to find someone with the similar s- strengths that you have that I don't have. And then probably need to split up the role into a couple things. Cause Jess at that point was holding, you know, she was keeping a lot of plates spinning from the EOS language. Actually, Jess is one of the unique individuals. That's like a visionary and an integrator together. Well, she has it in there to birth things. Yeah. She birthed right? it. Yep. But she has then the focus and the achieving strength to be able to get it done as well. Um, Or get behind a change or difference in the vision. She could see it and she's adaptable. Is that right? Yes. She also has futuristic as a strength. And so she has this like unique, very few people have futuristic and like a detail oriented focus. Um, because sometimes those two are exclusive. Like you see way far in the future, but you have no idea how to get there. She kind of can go right into very specific, okay, let's do this, 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 and this. And so we ended up actually looking for that person, that role, those strengths within our company. And we had that person already. We just didn't, she wasn't called what she was called then uh, or what she's called now. And her name's Adrian, and she now is the integrator. And I am the visionary of the company. And Jess is has taken that step down the hall for a few years. So she's sitting in the owner's box. We still own it 50-50 together. We're, we own it outright together. But she doesn't do any day-to-day operations. That's hard to find somebody. And, and you found somebody and put them in the right seat. You found somebody. How did you go about looking for this person? Because this is a hard role for a lot of firms to fill. Adrian and I had been working close together from day one. And so she, we have in our company what we call founding mothers. And there were three of us that once we realized this was more than what one person can handle, I began to hire. And so I hired two ladies. And so we call ourselves the founding mothers of the systems, of the type of client that we really did the best with. We tried all sorts of niches. And so from day one, we were doing things in sync very closely. And so, yes, I was training, but Adrian also had the ability to act like an owner. And so she would come to meetings like an owner and she has a huge amount of empathy. So she has empathy for the partner. She also has empathy for owners. So when you have empathy and you have an ownership mindset, you're able to work with a lot of different types of people in the organization. So Adrian had held every role that I had held as well. She followed my path. And then when I said I'm stepping out, it was a natural fit for her to take that role. But it was still really interesting as I think back because I it wasn't it didn't feel as clear. It kind of felt like if we had to choose, Adrian would be that person. But she definitely rose with the levels that we gave her as well. Like she every challenge that we gave her, she would take and knock it out of the park and do more and take on more. And she was she showed aptitude for that growth as well. And then while we were on the RV trip, she had already stepped into some of that. Like, so there was like 
us unplugging a little bit actually allowed for the space to, for somebody has to step up and she kind of naturally stepped up into a certain amount of those spaces. So, but when we first said, Hey, we think you should do this. She actually said, I'm not sure I'm the one. (laughs) <laughs> so you know like you don't always see who you are um now oh that's very common yeah very common on right. the best the ones that will be best for that role they don't see it in themselves yet right it's very true so so what explain to our listeners how do you trust somebody like that because that's the only way this works the other way you're able to find somebody that will be good at that role, that will take ownership and have, you know, and have that drive and have empathy and own their role and be willing to make mistakes is you guys trusting them to do that. And this is the problem that a lot of people find is they hire that integrator and then they don't trust them and they oversee everything they're doing. And then the details still have to be perfect and they can't let go of control. So how do you give up control? How do you trust people? I think a couple of things. One, you have to learn how to delegate well, not abdicate. And there's a difference between both of those. I think a lot of leaders fall into one one of two categories. They just abdicate their authority and hope someone else does what they would do. And they just kind of give it to them. And, and then they don't really say all the things that they need from that. The Uh, expectations aren't clearly laid out. So that person then is at a disadvantage, right? Because if they don't build it exactly right, the other person feels like they have to jump in. So there was a lot of intentionality that Jess did at the beginning of like really laying out what is needed. And part of that came out of my weaknesses. So just like I knew I could not do some of the things that Jess did. And so Jess would sit with Adrian at the beginning and walk through every process. And then Adrian would take it put her own spin on it and actually improve it, improve the process. But she had a foundation to kind of stand on. So I think Jess did a really good job at delegating. Like I remember process, we called it process mapping back then. Like Jess literally listed out everything that she did. And that's why I laughed earlier when we were talking about pricing, because Jess actually did a video about how she priced things (laughs) And it started with her lighting candles and saying, I like candles and I just sit because I want it not to be a stressful thing. And, you know, like got down. It's very to stressful detail. because you don't want to overprice it. You don't want yeah. them to run away because you want them to be a client. Process. Yeah. But it came down to like, if that's the way to do it, I'm not sure we, we can't can, replicate We can't that. replicate <laughs> it. So we had to get some of the right voices in the room to like work through what can we make a process. And actually now our pricing is almost algorithmic, not almost, it is algorithmic. It's embedded into us where, where you put in all the inputs and then it kind of kicks out. What do because, you Just the spreadsheet that you created? Yeah. Otherwise you can't have salespeople be able to price because you can't ever trust them. Like if they have to light candles every time <laughs> they have to create a proposal, right? Like as you grow certain things kind of like move into more systems, like you said, and, but Jess was really good at the beginning, kind of like laying out those processes and clearly identifying expectations. And then, and then Adrian grew to those pieces that were handed off. But at some point Jess had to go, yeah, she's got it. And I'm going to release, I'm going to let go of the vine is how EOS describes it is letting go of the vine. You're like holding on to the side and you're like, I'm not going to let go of this. We had to be okay if our leaders failed because it meant from failing, they were either winning or learning. And so we had to be okay with their failures thinking, oh, I could have done it better. Or if I didn't step, if I would have stepped in, it wouldn't have happened. But that's great. You, you want failures to happen especially while you're training, because then you're able to walk them through, here's what I would have done, or here's what we can learn together. There was also a give and take. I knew that Adrian always had our best interest in mind as employees of the company and also as owners. And she knew we always had her best interest, her big why, the things that make her thrive and her family thrive, her as an employee, her as a leader, So there was a lot of give and take and I trust you because we both have our best, each other's best interest in mind. And someone I think 
like your gut can tell you, even if you have to hire quickly, she had grown with the company, but as you get, as you age in the company, you can't necessarily hire someone from within. It might be an outsourced, someone that you hire from the out market and only time will tell. But I think the best interest in mind is a huge piece. A dance metaphor kind of came up for me because like when I was, when Jess and I were, you know, first learning swing dancing, like she said, you learn aerials. They're called aerials because at some point she's in the air without me holding on to her. And so you don't just go from zero to an aerial, right? Like there was a lot of trust. Like she saw that I was leading her in just like turns well, keeping track of her and not like running her into another person or dropping her off of a dip, just dipping her into a, at the end of a dance. There's small things of trust that if they continue, if you can trust in small things, you can then trust in bigger things. But again, like Jess would have been dumb to trust me with throwing her up in the air if I hadn't proven that I could hold her in other spaces or that I had her best interests in mind, that I was going to protect her in those spaces. Well, and you learn from the failure, from falling down a yeah. couple of times too. Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to get better at it is if you attempt it in the first right. place. Yes. But there is a point in an aerial where it is kind of like, there's no way I can, you know, there's like a point of no return where you kind of throw and it's got to, it's got to work. And if you second guess yourself in that section of time, you will fumble and you will drop the person or the person will, you know, flip a different way or some, some out of balance thing. And so that there is always points at which trust you have to kind of let go and be okay with what comes next. Who's better at times of intense focus and chaos, let's say who's better during chaos and who's better during peacetime with y'all when things get really crazy, COVID happens, something happens, who's going to take the rain. And then when things are very calm, who doesn't get bored? Who's happy with that? That's a great question. That's a great question. They call me a frying pan and Greg a crock pot. So when I think about it in those terms, when COVID hit, we immediately thought we have got to get our churches, the PPP loan. And Greg has this ability to sustain, train, longevity of the team and the culture. So in my opinion, he might have a different one, but in my opinion, I've got quick ideas. Are they always good? No, but it's one of those things. If you don't say them, you will never know if you don't act on some. You don't have the embarrassment that you say an idea and somebody says it's bad. You're okay with it. Like, you know, (laughs) if I started three companies and two failed, you know, yes, I'm okay. See what you learned from. Yeah. The one that was successful, you didn't learn anything from. Very, I guess you learned what true. worked. But. but as far as, you know, keeping something and sustaining it and making it really something that everyone can wrap their head around, hands down, Greg. That's my opinion. I don't know what you would say. I also have a calming personality. So I'm actually good in emergency situations. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if one of our kids hurt themselves, I'm going to be the one that's like, keeping things calm. However, Jess is going to be the one that's like moving us toward action. And so I do think there's even within that, you know, a goodness in the, what the two of us bring and actually the integrator that we have now, same thing. Like she will, she will push me to action, which is, which is uh, not always something that the visionary, like a lot of times the visionary is pushing action at the expense of their team. And I'm actually a little bit farther to the whichever side of that to where I can, I I think about the team as well. What's next? Like you're at 45 employees, you know, well, actually let's talk a little bit more about the present too, because I want to outline and frame everything. Give me some numbers, hard numbers here. Top line, take them for the owners. What are we sharing? So we are about 4 million in revenue. We take home, 
You would know better than me. Well, Greg really follows. We like the book. Profit First. Profit First. And so mm-hmm. we follow the Profit First module, but we, and the stair step that as you grow, you take less and less of a percentage because that percentage is still a decent amount based on your revenue. So we follow that. And we also give a lot of money away. We give our profit, some of our profit away. Some of it's to help the team. Some of it's to help pastors and respite. Some of it is to begin to fund one day the generosity pioneer that I will come back to. We do not follow the model all the way because of the generosity piece that we choose to take quite a significant amount. Our 10-year target is to be giving away millions of dollars over the course Mm -hmm. of time. And this year we're going to hit our first million. Now that's cumulative over the last seven years, but we'll have given our first million dollars away this in 2024. I love that. That's so cool. I'm trying to get on a hint at the margins of where your margins are as a firm, because you guys, it seems like you're pretty happy traveling, you know, tied to the business per se, as much as an owner at 4 million. This is scary for some people. It's even scary for me to think about having 45 employees. Your employees seem to trust you because you trust them. You're growing a pretty sustainable business. So stock margins at some level, what are, where are we sitting at? Okay. I've been out of the business a couple of years, which shows you exactly that it's running really well. And I can't sit here and tell you we're at a good, that's good. I love that. However, yeah. it's between, I couldn't um, tell you mine either for this year. <laughs> um, I know Adrian's goal is to be 15% and that includes the giving as well. So okay. depending on the quarter right now, including the amount of giving that we're doing. It's between five and net profit would be between five and 12%. And that changes based on the quarters. Because I do think people at any stage need to understand that too, is you're not going to expect to continue to sustainably have 30% margins as you grow. Right. Um, That's not going to be sustainable. You have... Yeah, yeah, I mean, a 10 and a 15% margin for a larger business is a very healthy, healthy rate. Yeah. And we're talking net profit, complete net profit, not not a gross number. All right. So but let's now talk about the future because we've hinted at this, the generosity. And I absolutely love this. This was like one of, when I, we first started doing EOS, I started talking about how we were going to give a million dollars away. And I lost focus on that, but I used to talk about it a lot. And now you guys actually did it. You guys have already done it. So there's somebody out there. That means that whatever I was saying wasn't unrealistic at all. But this was like early uh, PPP days too, and money was just flowing. So <laughs> how do you actually plan and account for that? Like, And where do you track it? Who's seeing this? Who's part of this vision too? Because it's very ambitious and it's... It's part of your mission. It's part of the story. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it kind of comes into our quarterly tracking and, and our annual tracking. So EOS breaks it down into 10, 10 year targets. That's a, a small target that you're going after. We want to be a thousand churches strong. Uh, we're about 270 currently. We want to have 200 parable evangelists where we can pour into them even more taking care of those pastors and their families in a deeper way, and then giving millions away. So that's our 10-year target. Everyone knows that in the company. And then it goes down to our three-year picture, which is just more of a, like, what does this look like in reality? If we were here, what would it look like? What would it feel like? What would it taste like? What would it smell like? All the feelings kind of thing. But then you act on your one year. And so the one-year plan, like we don't, we hit our rocks every quarter. And if we don't, we, it's a rare occurrence that we don't hit our rocks. And so every quarter we're tracking, we have a target for what we're trying to hit generosity-wise. And then we see where we tracked out at the end of the quarter. And so we, we stay pretty close to that number and that's how we can, that's how we can track it over time. But it started, yeah, it started with small, like what we would call faith steps. Like he was faithful with little is faithful with much. And so that's kind of the mindset we were like, Hey, even though we're small, it's a, 
80,000 a year company right now and we have big dreams like well, let's give now when it hurts when we're eating rice and beans and trying to make it through and we gave that first year that I came on board so 8 years ago almost we gave $1500 away and so that was a very small thing it almost felt like really can an organization do anything with in fact we split in the two we split in the two $750 <laughs> grants that we gave away to two organizations and we were like is that even something that they can use but it was more about training us on how you know how to deal with smaller percentages so that when we got to larger numbers it was we're still giving that away and so originally also it was we would give 10% of the top line revenue the next year's budget so if, you know, if we had a million dollars in revenue, we would give a hundred thousand the next year. So it was always a budgeted item that over time becomes not sustainable because we also not only wanted to take care of other people in the world, but are also our own team. So then we created a different model that we were able to still be generous and give millions away and also take care of our team, which without them we could do none of the larger vision and they needed to feel valued, not just with their paycheck, but other things that we do in the company to show that they are valued. So how is there enough at the end for boating? Like uh, all of this, you guys are very generous and still like, and giving and your employees are very happy and all this. How do you still have enough? You have four kids. How do you guys plan? How much do you need? Right. At, at a certain point, everybody gets to a certain level of income where it's like they make any more, you know, it's, and I think once you realize that you can really plan and budget. So how did you guys determine what was enough? Yeah, we, I actually meet, I have a small group of, of people that are, that know everything about our finances and know everything about the things. And we've kind of committed to that group to kind of work those things out together. So Ooh. it's a group of business owners. They all have the same mindset. We call it a high impact business, something where it creates both economic, social, and spiritual capital, not just economic capital. So that triple bottom line kind of concept. And so they're all in that as well. So we look at it as we don't really, this is where it gets a little different. Maybe we don't look at it as we own the company. We think God owns the company that we're just stewarding the company. So then if we think about it from that point, what is a steward, what is stewardship of this company? What should that be worth? Then it's more of a marketable item rather than you talking about you owning it. Because at the end of the day, without, without some really key employees and without now all of our employees, like if we couldn't do what we're doing, why should we reap all the benefits of what our employees are doing? Um, and so that that's kind of how we look at it. I just look at it. I'm, Jess and I are the chief stewards of what God has given us to steward. And, you know, again, we've got an integrator that knows what we love to do. And we had committed during the Badlands to not pull a lot of equity, even though you know, quote unquote, you haven't a right to do that as an owner. We're not pulling equity out. We're not pulling large distributions. And so when we have conversations with Adrian, there's empathy and there's um, a kindness on both respects when it comes to the personal things. You know, we've now we've almost got two kids in college. And so we have to come to Adrian with our needs and the things that are important to us and what we want to pay cash for and how we want to live a debt-free life. And we also have to commit on our end to not suck the company dry and not take all the resources. There's another you know, book out there called Simple Numbers that kind of walks through some Rick of this. Crabtree? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They talk about like setting a salary cap and you fitting into that salary cap. As an owner, sometimes you get, you know, you look at revenue and 4 million sounds like a lot. And you're like, oh, what piece of that 4 million can I take? And that I think is the wrong question. It's like, what is a sustainable, if we kept this salary cap, we could grow to 10 million, right? And if you can do that, it's a discipline, um, especially as if you need things like college and different things for your family. It's a discipline to say, yes, we're willing to stay under this salary cap. Mm -hmm. So one thing I noticed too, is the way that you run the company removes ego from a lot of things for you guys you're not as attached to it's it's your outcomes you 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 it's 
it's about everybody because you're not even you're not even the owners and the way that you're running it is you're respecting that that there's something bigger beyond you and then all of a sudden now you're out of the way and your ego's out of the way so it's easier to make decisions and i think that's also a problem with a lot of people that get in their own ways is they're so attached to every decision they make that if they fail they look like a failure or people will think less of them. I don't think you're thinking about that at all. Your opportunity to fail because it's a, it's a learning opportunity and everybody wins. So I think identifying what your strengths are too is huge in all of this because then you're seeding control. Already you're giving up control in a lot of respects by trusting Adrian, by trusting her. You've already pretty much been able to work together there's probably fights along the way we've heard of some what was lockstep or or what's the um rockstep rockstep yeah. Rock yeah there's rock steps along the way but it's seems to be fun though every time i see you guys seem to be having a good time now we're in great places we were in lake Tano the first time in italy um, <laughs> that was that was amazing that was, oh Epic. it was amazing yeah. I think if you're willing to let go, you're able to show up for other things that hit your passions in your heart just as much. And the ability to let go is, it, it might be letting go of that, but then you're moving on or holding on or grabbing some, you know, grasping something different. That's going to give you just as much joy, but the move receiving something that, different too, because it's there for you. It's, you don't even have to grab it because it's right there waiting for you. Yeah. How did you end up getting invited to both those events, right? Like that expensify thing was very exclusive. How did you guys end up making the cut? That's a great question. <laughs> we, we ask ourselves that same question. You know, I sat next to another firm at breakfast having coffee one day and they were like, yeah, we're a firm of a thousand. I'm like, wow, I have no idea how I'm here. <laughs> so, well, something, something worked. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. and the same thing with carbon, that was only a limited invites so you guys are doing something right i love everything i've learned today this is awesome you've been able to articulate your journey very well thank you guys both for coming on you've unlocked a lot in my mind here i'm excited about this future potential parable i'm not going to go too parable far down rap? the rabbit hole yeah <laughs> not the rabbit hole yeah we've always yeah. enjoyed seeing you at these really fun events and we'll so you guys were there on the day that accounting high was announced to the world yes, yes. At, at carbon carbon x yes that was at carbon x you guys were there to witness history we're on sophomore year already so it's amazing stay tuned it's only gonna last another couple of years after this uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be a famous rapper so i know you've got you've got more opportunities to take OKR now. I was a different rapper when I saw you guys last. It's OKR now. We're not going to indulge in that, but the OK rapper, you can check out the Expensify music video might be released by the point this is released and people will be able to see that. We found that in Italy. That's awesome. awesome. I remember seeing you up on the rooftop, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. The video came out splendid. We'll 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 get that out there in the wild at some point. Well, thanks you guys for coming on. Don't be a stranger at Accounting High. We might see you again in future years. Future, I see, I smell future faculty at some point too. Yeah. Stay tuned. Sounds great. All right. I, Sounds um, great. Look forward to seeing you at the next event that we're at. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you're there, I'll be there. Sounds God awesome. bless. Class dismissed. Just toss your hands above your head in despair And wave them all around like you're losing your hair Yeah, roll up a seat, it's a pleasure to meet Don't hold your breath, cause Scotty's on the beat My bank feeds ain't broke My firm's on autopilot, now I'm on stage Growth With accounting high right behind me And go find your niche, you don't have to remind me Tapping that, mashing that 10 key They want a rapper that can balance books And guess what? He 
is I and I am him. Slim with a pseudonym. Let's play the accounting game. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Share this episode on social media, tagging us at Accounting High. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you.